James Cometa Podcast. Here we are. Welcome. The 20th edition. Are you kidding me? And all 20 editions are presented to you by MacHard, MacHard, Anderson & Associates, PLLC, our presenting sponsors. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is like the third time we've done this podcast. And you may have actually heard of this podcast already. Uh, we uploaded a version of it that had just awful audio. The audio was distorted. And it was clipping and popping, so we had to put a filter on it, which made the digital distortion even worse. And I know digital distortion sounds like a Lady Gaga album, but in this case, it is not. It's just the worst. And we uploaded it, and I said, you know what, man? It's uploaded. It is what it is. What can you do? And I went, and I was doing my yoga. I was doing something else. And I thought I was just, it just was bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. And I said, you know... We can't let everyone down like this. We The podcast is too important. The content is too important. So let's go redo it again. So we're in a separate studio. This is a different room. This is a different studio. Uh, and, and we're doing it here. So hopefully uh, hopefully this works out. And if you heard both podcasts, man, that's, you're, in a, you're in a very select, select crew. So let's get into this one, guys. The news right now is absolutely insane. I mean, it, it's one of the craziest times to ever be alive. And to show that, our topics today are Drew Brees, Elmer Fudd, and Harry Potter. Now, normally, I'd be thinking, oh, wow, you're doing, I mean, that, that's a great show. You know, I mean, that, that's a show that's going to be a ton of fun. Well, this isn't a ton of fun because those three topics are linked with transphobia, racism, civil unrest, and guns. So we're about to go off the rails. This is about to be a roller coaster ride buckle up, buckle in, kick back, put your feet up, and let me try and walk you through the insanity that is our world right now. So let's start with Breeze, right? Let's start with Drew Breeze. This story has really wrapped me into it. I have been, I have been all over this story. I've been, I couldn't wait to illuminate, or I just couldn't wait to, to really dive into it. And I thought, you know, let's do a separate video. Let's do a totally separate Drew Breeze video. And then I thought, you know, let's just let it rip. Let's not touch this thing with, with you know, like kitty gloves. Let's not put some, some safety wrap around this thing. Let's just rip it and let's just get after it. So the Drew Brees situation. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Drew Brees was interviewing with Yahoo Finance. Drew, hey bro, little 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 heads up. Maybe next time decline the Yahoo Finance interviews. I don't I don't know. If you were kind of talking about your penny stocks or if there was a silver, platinum, gold trading diatribe going on. But Yahoo Finance did you no favors. Now's not the time. Let's stick with the big boys. Let's not go digging for the Yahoo Finance interviews. So in between talking about you know Brazilian coffee uh, in, uh, investments and whatever else Drew Brees has going on, whatever his portfolio has, they asked Drew Brees... You know, in the in the landscape we're in right now, in the climate we're in right now, they said, "Could you see in the upcoming NFL season protests like the Colin Kaepernick protest? Do you think people will be kneeling for the for the national anthem? Do you foresee that?" And Breeze, for some reason, decided to just go on this answer where he said, "Look, I will never support." Protesters stand, uh, protesting the national anthem, kneeling for the national anthem. You know, my grandparents served in World War II, so I'm never going to be about that. Now, as you can imagine, this was not received very well at all. 
If anything, it was received really poorly. Drew Brees got flamed by every talking head on the media. His teammates, LeBron James, everyone was gunning for Drew Brees. The city of New Orleans had a, a rally where they were chanting Drew Brees in the streets of Bourbon. On Bourbon Street, they're marching up and down chanting Drew Brees. And I never in a million years did I think we would see Drew Brees get exiled out of New Orleans by the citizens of New Orleans. Drew Brees got like scarred out of Pride Rock from the, the very people who treat him as a deity. The very people who treat him as a god. I mean, this truly is the passion of Jesus Christ. And no one else is saying the passion of Jesus Christ. I'm trademarking that right now. That's how you know the kind of content that you're getting right here. Is because, I mean, the passion of Jesus Christ is boom, off the dome like it's nothing. That's what you come here for, and I'm glad that I can deliver. But think about it, right? So Drew Brees says what he says. The reaction is cancel him, retire, destroy him. This is Drew Brees. This is a guy with the cleanest possible record. And I'm not talking about record as in you know getting in trouble. I don't mean that. I mean the cleanest record as in being a leader in the community. A guy who has spent more money. A guy who, a month ago, donated $5 million to the people of New Orleans who needed it during this COVID crisis. No one's talking about that. This guy has completely enveloped himself in the community ever since the first day he got here or got there after Katrina. He is or has done more for the city of New Orleans than any person living, I would say. So Drew Brees' track record is immaculate when it comes to this. Obviously not a racist. Obviously not a bad person. Do not tell the angry mob that. The angry mob just goes after him. Now, let's break this down first with Drew Brees' actual statement. So Drew Brees' statement was it wrong? Irrelevant. It was stupid, it was insensitive, and the timing of when he said it couldn't have been any worse. If you have been listening to the podcast for a long time, or even know me personally, you know that my background is in PR and marketing. I can tell you from that background, if I was Drew Brees' PR or agent or anything to do with him, or if this wasn't even Drew Brees, if this was just some other person and I'm doing their PR and I read the transcript from this interview, I'm packing my bags, I'm buying a plane ticket, and I'm getting the hell out of here because I know it's about to be a complete shitstorm. So what Drew Brees said deserved backlash and was bad. It was it was the timing so bad. Drew, read the room. I mean, there's not a there's a time and a place to say things, right? Saying something that is okay, saying something that's not inflammatory, can be inflammatory in the wrong crowd or at the wrong time. You ever heard the whole like laugh at a funeral thing? It's okay to tell a joke. It's not okay to tell a joke at a funeral. You know, like you get what I'm saying that the actual message is irrelevant sometimes because of when and how it's delivered. So that's important to remember. So Drew Brees does deserve some backlash. Drew Brees does deserve some, you know, hey man, this was this was bad. This was dumb. Why'd you say this? He does deserve some of that. For sure. What is not deserved is this cancel culture, 
immediate elimination, immediate destruction, retire, retire, retire talk. That is where we really draw an issue with this. And that's where a lot of this conversation is going to lead. So the whole point of Colin Kaepernick's protest, the whole point of the current protest, the whole point of any protest is to start a conversation, correct? The actual symbol, the actual symbol of Colin Kaepernick kneeling down, the actual symbol of you know people protesting on a bus or in a classroom or whatever it may be, that actual symbol does not change anything, nothing whatsoever. What changes or what brings about change is the conversation that is then brought forth from that symbol. That's the whole point of a protest. You kneel for the national anthem. People are uncomfortable. People start talking about it. People bring it up. It brings a spotlight on the whole thing. Then you have a conversation about it because you're forced to. It's in your face. You have to talk about it. So then you talk about it. And then change happens. That's what you do. That's what should have happened here with Drew Brees. Drew Brees made a mistake. He said something insensitive. We agree on that. Okay, what's the next step? The next step is to educate Drew Brees, talk to Drew Brees, explain why I was insensitive. Then Drew Brees thinks about it and goes, oh, well, I guess that does make sense. Okay, I now know. I now have learned. Thank you for educating me. I now will change. Like What I'm thinking has changed. You have successfully impacted me. You have successfully impacted me. The protest worked. The conversation worked. The, the, uh, the discourse worked. That's it on a micro level. You do that on a big level, that's how real change happens. My problem with this is the second that that actual change could have happened, every single person declined it. Every single person declined what they should have done and instead went for the easy route, which was the cancel culture, the cancel destruction, the retire. Asking Drew Brees to retire from the game of football because he said that he didn't agree with the protest is ridiculous. And the worst part is, it's the exact same thing that people hated whenever Colin Kaepernick got thrown out of the NFL, and a lot of people believe it was because of his protest, him kneeling for the anthem. Now, when it happened, I said, I don't agree with Colin Kaepernick on a lot of things. I don't think Colin Kaepernick is Malcolm X. I don't think he's Martin Luther King Jr. I do support protests. I do support spotlighting police brutality, social injustice. I'm with you there. I wasn't with Colin Kaepernick on the pig socks. I wasn't with Colin Kaepernick when he's talking about Fidel Castro. He got a little lost in the sauce. But when you know Colin Kaepernick did his protest and he got blackballed from the NFL. Now, was it because of his play? Was it because of the protest? Different video, different day. But a lot of people are saying, look, man, whether you agree or disagree, you can't fire somebody. You can't push someone out of the league because of their beliefs or because of an idea or because of something they say. Like that, That's what makes America, America. And that's true. That is what makes America, America. America is America because you should not be afraid to say what you believe, what you are thinking. Now, you know, you say that and then it's also America because the people who disagree shouldn't be afraid to call you out on it and start that discourse. That's it. That's the beauty of this whole thing. And his teammates and the media all failed at it. And it's really disappointing for the media because the media know Drew Brees. They're the ones that cover Drew Brees. They're the ones who have the platform to speak about Drew Brees and to educate the masses and to really drive this point home. And they have the time to research and they have the time to dig into it. 
and they had the time to really go after it. And what do they do? They crowdsource their reactions from social media. They go on Twitter and Instagram, and they look at the comments, and they see the angry mob, and they conform and say, oh, well, if 50,000 comments are really an infinite number of comments, because you can't see all of them, so if an infinite number of comments all say Drew Brees is a racist, Drew Brees must be a racist. All of these people are calling for him to retire. He needs to retire. And then they go sit on Fox Sports or ESPN, and they scream for him to retire. What they should do, and what I'm doing, is they should take a step back and realize exactly what's going on, and they should offer a proper explanation and a proper converse, uh, you know, a, a conversation starter about what the proper steps were. They shouldn't incite the mob. They should tell the mob, like, this isn't going to change anything. This isn't the way to act. What is Drew Brees retiring going to do? What, what is Drew Brees retiring actually going to solve? That's the problem. But they didn't do that. Every single one of them was shocked, disgusted, disappointed, whatever at Drew Brees, canceling Drew Brees. I'm here to tell you that, that if you're one of those people, and I don't care who's watching this or who's listening to this, if you're one of the people who said Drew Brees should retire or Drew Brees should quit or Drew Brees should be canceled, eliminate Drew Brees, he's a racist. If that was your reaction to Drew Brees' comments, you are part of the problem. And you are the reason that the society right now is so stagnant and that there is no change. Because I don't even think you want change. If you're one of those people... You are more worried about the instant gratification of canceling someone or you know, destroying someone's career or livelihood or whatever. You're more worried about that moment right there. And you're clout chasing and you know you're clout chasing. His teammates are the biggest clout chasers of them all. They have a direct, direct connection to Drew Brees. They can go right to him. They can text him, call him, they share a locker room with him. He's their coworker, really, if you think about it. Just like, I mean, we're not professional athletes, so your coworker that you've been working with for years, if you have a problem with them, you have a direct connection to them. And what do these guys do? Instead of using their time and using their platforms to educate Drew Brees and to educate the masses, they go straight to Twitter and Instagram and they start subtweeting Drew Brees or you know posting all these crazy tweets or Instagrams or your Malcolm Jenkins and you post some video telling Drew Brees to shut the fuck up, and nothing changes. So Drew Brees is stuck with the same ideals and the same thoughts, but he's getting lambasted for them. So what does he do? The same thing anyone would do. Offer some lame-ass apology that is completely unfounded because he obviously hasn't changed. He's the same guy. He's the exact same person. You think he's going to change in 24 hours? No, he's just saying whatever you want him to say so that you'll quit asking for him to retire. And then what do they do? Then we see people start walking back the hate. You start seeing the Michael Thomases and the Alvin Kamaras and whoever start saying like, you know, Drew Brees posts some, his apology, I'm surprised the image he used didn't have Shutterstock watermarked over the front of it or Getty images over the front. It was the most like stereotypical, it was a black arm and a white arm clasped together and it said, you know, it, he just he basically just repeated what everyone was screaming at him. And everyone says, oh, well, okay, Drew Brees has apologized. Drew Brees is good to go, whatever. Then Drew Brees triple downs. I mean, he, he's, he starts overcompensating. Then he writes an essay to Trump about how the Kaepernick protests were never about the flag and never about the national anthem. And 
They were really about police, you know, brutality and social and you know injustice. True. There's a pandemic happening. Okay, it's an election year. All hell is breaking loose. There's a civil war in the streets. Buildings are on fire. Police departments are being defunded. The the it's it's a war right now. And you're gonna take this time to get you on your megaphone and yell at Trump for a five-year-old protest because now you've had an awakening and you realize what it was really about, it makes Drew Brees somehow look even worse because now he's pissed off everybody. And then you go to the flip-flopping teammates and they're all quote-tweeting Drew Brees' letter to Trump. And they're like, oh, this is my quarterback. This is my guy. I'd ride or die for this guy. This is my dude. I'd never sell him out. You just sold him out 24 hours ago. Your next earliest tweet, you went from your tweet went from telling him to retire to saying that's my guy. Let's strip it all the way down, right? Let's say you're in your office and as you and ten other people work there, and your supervisor or your boss or whatever comes down and says, We're painting this office. Y'all figure out what colors you want. And nine of your coworkers say, I want blue. And you say, Well, I want orange. And instead of y'all talking about it, your coworkers start sending emails to your boss saying he's toxic. He won't listen. He's hard-headed. He, we think he's colorblind, maybe. He's a, he's, I think he's an alcoholic. They just start destroying you. They start saying, we're not working unless he quits. We want him out of the office. And you're like, man, what the hell is going on? So then you tell them, like, look, guys, I didn't realize this was... I, I was not looking at this how y'all are. You know, I, was, I was totally blind to this. I was very naive to the situation. I'll listen to what y'all have to say, and we can paint the walls blue. You know, we can paint the walls the color y'all want. And then you start seeing them sending emails to the boss saying, you know what, this is my coworker. This is the kind of guy I want in the foxhole with me. This is the kind of guy who I want to work with. I would do anything for this guy now that he wants these walls blue. That's my boy. If it was me, I'd be like, what the hell is going on? What is this? What, what the hell has happened? You, you talk about have no clue what's actually happening is because that flip-flopping cancel culture point the cancel gun at you and say hey man unless you unless you say what i want you to say you're done you're over with that is oppression at the highest degree the absolute highest degree i saw someone on twitter saying that they will not accept drew Brees' apology until he until he kneels for the flag during the national anthem that is disgusting. That is like villain movie villain 101. If the opening scene of a movie starts with a villain enforcing their ideals on somebody and forcing them to do what they don't want to do or what they don't believe in, that guy's the villain. The movie is found out. That's, that's a really good way to know who the bad guys are and the good guys are. Look, I'm a Catholic, okay? And I'm not saying that Catholicism is the, the you know, the correct way or the right way. It's just what I am. It's just what I believe in. If you're Buddhist, if you're Methodist, if you're Jewish, I don't care. Believe in what you want to believe in. Who knows what's right? Who knows what's wrong? Okay? But let's say I'm Catholic and I meet a, a, a Buddhist. And I tell the Buddhist, look, man, I'm not going to trust you until you denounce Buddhism and you come take Holy Communion over here. I would sound insane. I would sound like the most evil person in the world. That is crazy. I mean, that is bananas to even to even be in that mind frame of the only way 
I'm ever going to, whatever, accept Drew Brees' apology is to watch him kneel for the national anthem that he that he just told you he holds very dearly. That's evil. It really is evil. And that just puts into perspective the types of people we have out there right now. We have people who really want change. We have people who really want you know a free society or a better society or or just kind of a you know a better society to live in. We actually do have that. And then we actually do have other people who are the exact kind of evil they are trying to rid themselves of. I mean, when I read it, I could not believe it. I really couldn't. And, you know, the Drew Brees thing, like, people miss the point, I think, because then you hear people who will say, like, well, I agree with Drew Brees. You know, I like the flag. And that's the exact kind of people who need to be educated on this scenario. People who are like, well... I respect the military. So yeah, I do too. I'm with you. I, I'm with you. But that's not it. That's not what was going on. That's not what the protest was about. The protest was about using that time that was that you know a lot of people hold dearly to get a shock re- reaction, and then to use that to spotlight police brutality. So it's not about Kaepernick versus the military. You know, this isn't like the third Captain America movie where. Captain America is fighting Colin Kaepernick in, uh, in the 49ers. Like, that's not what we're doing here. And that old rhetoric, that five-year answer that Breeze gave, maybe he was ignorant. Maybe he was naive to the actual situation. And, and he probably was. Because it's obvious that Drew Breeze isn't, like, some flaming racist. So he really may have been confused on the whole thing. And, you know, the military thing... Such a lazy answer because, you know, Bree says, well, I have two grandparents serving in World War II. So well, what does that have to do with anything, Drew? On one hand, uh, the protesters probably have grandparents who served in World War II. The World War II wasn't just an army of white guys. Like there was white, minority, all creed and color serving in the military in World War II. And when they came back from World, World, World War II, it was a very different America for those soldiers. White soldiers came back to parades and being a hero and white picket fences, and African American and minority soldiers came back to segregation. You know, so both are patriots, both love America, both sacrifice their lives for this country, and both honor the flag, but that flag and that country are very different, or mean very different for those soldiers. So that has, on one hand, that has nothing to do with anything. Then separately, it's Drew Brees saying, like, hey, I know I know y'all's, you know, police brutality and social injustice. I know that's a big deal, right? It's not as it's not big enough of a deal to disrespect my grandparents, though, you son of a bitch. That's so that's what it sounds like on the other hand. And that's where I think the conversation should have happened with who whoever, Malcolm Jenkins, I guess, and say, Look, Drew, like this this is why it's insensitive. This is this is coming from my end. The last podcast. We talked about how right now is a good time for non-minority to listen because it's impossible to really know what they go through, what they went through, what life's like, unless you're that person. So this is a great time to listen and have that discourse. And that's exactly what Drew Brees should do. But you can't do that if the people are not willing to have the conversation. If they're so caught up in it that all they want to do is destroy and all they want to do is cancel and end and you know, force their ideals on people. That will never work in anything. 
whether it's social injustices or police brutality or whatever the cause is, nothing will change if you go about it like that. And to see not just the mob, not just this like angry mob that forms on Twitter and Instagram, to see them just not do it there, but then to see all these, all these talking heads do it and all the media do it, it's just gone way too far. I mean, I saw... It's like that with the whole protest. I saw in a protest, or on Twitter or whatever, that white people were apologizing, and they were apologizing by crawling on their hands and knees and like kissing the feet and bowing down to like this group of uh, African Americans. And that, to me, is where you start to really push through and, and miss the point of the whole protest. That's not doing anything. That's this weird mixture of bad. You know, like, that's not changing anything at all. Forcing Drew Brees to kneel for the flag or whatever is not what we want here. It should be simple. It should just be a simple education. And his teammates really should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, like, Malcolm Jenkins, I had read that he talked to Drew Brees and then uploaded the video. Why? Why would you talk to Drew Brees? You have the chance to make the change. And instead of doing that, you go back to your house and make some video telling Drew Brees to shut the fuck up. What is that going to solve? You just talked to him. You just had the opportunity to change things. You just had the opportunity to make things better and to be the man that helped Drew Brees kind of learn what was going on. But instead, you talk to him, turn around, and go make a video scathing him. Like, if you're Drew Brees, think about that. Like Malcolm Jenkins, you just had a conversation. Oh, Malcolm made a video on Twitter. Let's see what it is. Maybe he's talking about the conversation we just had. Oh, nope. He's screaming at me. I have made a huge mistake. Let me get my Shutterstock account up. I need to find a picture of a black hand and a white hand ASAP. It's just, it's so bad. And it's not the America we should live in. Guys, look, I, I promise you that this cancel culture reaction, the only thing it's good for is keeping everything exactly how it is. It's not good for anything else. Canceling anybody who doesn't share your ideals is the foundation for oppression, is the foundation for injustice, whether it's white, black, Asian, animals, whatever. It, it, you know, Anything, any color, any creed, any species, it, I don't care if it's aliens. If you impose your ideals on a group and you treat them where it's either, hey man, conform or else, that's really bad. And also really dangerous. So, it's it's one of those things where it started off being something with Drew Brees and that whole situation. And it quickly turned into something totally different. And I hate that it moved that way because they took a really good cause and they completely destroyed it. So hopefully... You know, I mean, I think Drew Brees is, is neutered. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be able to be a leader in that locker room again. And I don't blame him for not trusting his teammates. And I don't think his teammates trust him. So it's a really sticky situation in New Orleans. And it's just a terrible, probably last year for an incredible career and somebody who has done everything for that city. So it's, it's, it's really tough to see. And it's, it's unfair to everyone really involved that, the angry mob somehow got their voice, you know, heard at the, at this level. It really is. So, it, but that's my thoughts on it. And, and you know, the Drew Brees situation is something that, especially down here in the South and this close to New Orleans, where it, you know, it's been the talk of the town, and it's just gotten so ugly. 
uh, for a guy who should be held in such esteem for what he's done for that community. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you, the show has, as like always, is brought to you by MacHard, MacHard, Anderson & Associates, PLLC. These guys are the best in the business, bottom line. I'm telling you that straight up, all right? They're not, they're, I mean, think about just where they're advertising, just where they're putting themselves in front of. They're putting themselves in front of you, probably the smartest audience in podcast land and YouTube land or whatever. These guys aren't worried about the old school billboard advertisements. I mean, the archaic, put some face, some mug up on a billboard, you're not going to hear from that guy ever. You're going to call, you're going to get some 23-year-old new new employee who's just answering these calls, and then they're going to have the gall to tell you uh, one call, that's all. One click, that's it. What, are you in prison? Your, your tibia is sticking out of your shin. You, you just got sideswiped by an 18-wheeler. Your whole life is on the line. You got three kids. You don't know how you're going to feed anybody. You've been out of work because you can't walk. Your lungs are collapsing because you got T-boned. And you got to figure out your whole life, your whole family security, and they want you to do it in one call, that's all. I can't even order a pepperoni pizza in one call, that's all. I mean, look, if that doesn't sell you, which shocking... But MacHard, MacHard, Anderson & Associates are the only firm in Mississippi that delivers seven-figure settlements. So let's review, shall we? And there won't be a test, don't worry. They deliver the absolute best. They care about you more than any of these other scuzzo companies who will give you one call or one click. They'll give you 10 minutes to figure out your life. MacHard, MacHard, Anderson & Associates, all intakes, complimentary. Think about it. And... They put themselves in front of the best audience on the best podcast. It's not even close. Termite, 18-wheeler, automobile crash, insurance denial. Any of those things sound like right up your alley? Well, then give these guys a call. The number 601-450-1715 or go to machardlaw.com, M-C-H-A-R-D-L-A-W.com and please tell them that James Scrimetta sent you or that you heard about their services from the James Scrametta podcast. I almost forgot the last letter of my first name. It's been one one of those kind of days, ladies and gentlemen. So again, the number is 601-450-1715 or their website, machardlaw.com, M-C-H-A-R-D-L-A-W.com. Don't worry, there is not a one-click limit up in here. Thank you again for being our presenting sponsor. So next story... The next story, let's let's take you down to Looney Tunes land. Now, I, I know it, it, it's easy to kind of just look around and be like, oh, well, I'm in, I'm in Looney Tunes land, brother. I'm looking around right now. This is Looney Tunes land. I, I am officially here. Well, let's literally go to Looney Tunes land. So HBO has Looney Tunes now, and they've made a decision to re- remove the gun from Elmer Fudd. Now you may remember Elmer Fudd. He was the down on his luck kind of pudgy hillbilly who was hunting Bugs Bunny. So they've removed his gun, his shotgun, and he is now saddled up with a scythe. And you know the obvious reasons here is gun violence is a serious issue, and they want to censor that. So they have taken his gun away. Now it's all it's ridiculous that. You know, it's even come down to this. But then there's also an outcry. There's also an outcry of people who are saying, well, I won't watch unless Elmer has his gun. 
And if you censor the gun, you're losing me as a subscriber. Now, to that I say, what are you doing watching Looney Tunes? You have HBO. Watch The Sopranos. Watch Game of Thrones. Do anything else. You don't have to watch Looney Tunes. Like, how is... How is that your choice of television nowadays? Like, there's so much great TV. How is Looney Tunes what you've, what you've selected for yourself? And then on the other token, it's like, guys, there's a pandemic. There's a civil war. All hell is breaking loose. I don't think the biggest deal right now is Elmer Fudd's choice of murder weapon with Bugs Bunny. Is it really that much better if I watched Elmer Fudd strangle Bugs Bunny with his bare hands? Is it really that much better to watch him scythe at Bugs Bunny and cut him limb from limb? I don't think so. Not to mention, this is the same TV show where they have a French skunk who's trying to rape a cat. The same, the same TV show where I have to watch a roadrunner murder a coyote with anvils. The same TV show where a yellow bird flies around and tortures a cat. I mean, this show, this show right here is like watching Saw and Hostel in animated form. This is one of those shows where you watch and you can't sleep at night. I mean, how many times do I have to watch Wiley e. Coyote smoke a stick of dynamite like it's a cigar, only for it to blow up in his face? And I think sometimes, like, I understand there's a correlation. I really do. I understand there's a correlation between what you see, what you do, all that stuff. But I just don't think people are going to watch Elmer Fudd hunt down Bugs Bunny, and then say, you know what, I kind of like what Elmer Fudd has going on here. I'm going to go shoot up a school. You know, like, how many people watch an anvil get dropped on Wile E. Coyote and then decide to go drop anvils all over the public? You know, I mean, Acme Animal Company is the highest trading company in Looney Tunes land, and I don't know anyone that owns an anvil. So I don't think, in this case, it's like the most correlated thing in the world. You know, whenever whenever the characters are weird talking animals and you know they're with a questionable storyline, I don't think we need to look into the means. I don't think you need to look into oh well, Elmer Fudd's using a shotgun versus a scythe. Is that really that much better? So the fact that this is even a conversation is mind blowing. The fact that we're even in a place where HBO decides against the shotgun and to censor Elmer Fudd. I mean, not to be that guy, but I grew up watching all kind of stuff and never really bothered me at all. I mean, I watched Rocco's Modern Life, and Rocco's Modern Life, Rocco was a sex worker. He was a he worked on a sex hotline. Like he, I mean, he, I don't know. He was a kangaroo, I think. He was a kangaroo working on a sex hotline. I watched it a lot from ages, I don't know, eight to. 11, and never once during those years did I ever think about joining the, the occupation of sex hotline worker. I mean, you hear all these crazy stories about how Rugrats is about, you know, miscarriages and, and all these insane stories, or Winnie the Pooh. You hear that Christopher Robin has some kind of schizophrenia, and all of the animals are imaginations, and all the, all the animals are, are weird breaks in his psyche. It's like, man, damn, I just... Look, can it just be a tiger? Like, can it just be a tiger and a piglet? Can, can it just be the cartoon? Do we not have to intertwine it with these, like, insane political, you know, ideology or these insane conspiracy theories? Like, can I just watch, can I just watch this skunk try and match on Tinder with this cat? Can I just do that? Do I not have to, you know, do we not have to do anything else? 
Can I just watch Elmer Fudd? Is that all? Like Yosemite Sam is a two-foot-tall rapscallion cowboy with a really big red mustache, dual-wielding pistols, six-shooters like he's, a, like he's in the Wild Wild West. I don't think Yosemite Sam is driving the sales of six-shooter revolvers. He's just a character. I don't, no one's looking at him as their, as their role model for a mass shooting. You know, I mean, at, at some point, at some point, I think stuff doesn't mean as much as people think it does. Looney Tunes, man. I mean, when I saw when I saw that when I was doing the prep for the show, and I saw that was one of the stories, I'm just like, oh, this is a joke. This is obviously a joke. And when I dug into it, no, it was not a joke. It was very serious, and people were seriously pissed off at the idea of their their beloved Elmer Fudd losing his his gun. And only now being armed with a scythe. I mean, next thing you know, Wiley Coyote will, you know, he'll all next all Roadrunner will have to defend themselves is like Mace. I mean, there's no telling what's going to happen. So, rip, rip Elmer Fudd, I guess. And if you're one of those people watching HBO Looney Tunes, please, please go to the search bar and search like The Leftovers or or Game of Thrones and just skip the last season. Just do, do yourself a favor and. Uh, Broaden a little bit. Just, just broaden the horizons a little baby bit. Now, the last thing we're going to talk about here, the last story of the day, is in Hogwarts. So, J.K. Rowling is under attack, ladies and gentlemen. J.K. Rowling uh, has pissed off some people. Now, this story is is a little nuts. And it's it's hard to follow because I don't... I'm not really totally like into this world as far as like what a lot of these words mean and these acronyms. So we're going to be utilizing the internet a lot to figure out that. But it does match up well with the kind of cancel culture outrage thing that we were talking about earlier with Drew Brees. So let's get J.K. Rowling's tweet. So J.K. Rowling had a tweet, and it, it was it became this big transphobic argument. And people were saying J.K. Rowling is transphobic and whatnot. So let me pull up the actual tweet here. So J.K. Rowling tweeted, If sex isn't real, sex isn't gender. If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. Oh, JK, you are not going to like 2020 if you think that it is... It isn't hate to speak the truth. May I give you Drew Brees' phone number? The idea that women like me, who've been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they are vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived consequences, is nonsense. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were being discriminated against on the basis of being trans, at the same time, my life has been shaped by being female, so I do be, do not believe it's hateful to say so. My favorite sentence is the, I know and love trans people, but I think we all know how that goes. That's the classic, look, man, I know, look, look, I got black friends. Or, look, man, gay people love me. Like, that is, that is the cornerstone of when you know things are not going well in an argument. If you bust out, if you hit the fire extinguisher, you know, like the... the remove in case of emergency and you use the I have plenty of gay friends I have plenty of black friends 
you have lost the argument. You need to you need to hightail it out of there. Things are not going well for you at all. I can promise you that. No, no one has ever utilized those two, any kind of phrasing like that, and won the discussion. So be wary of that. Now, people came out and said that she's transphobic and a turf. And a turf is a oh man, I just I thought I had it memorized. Let me look up what a turf is now. I thought I had it. I really did. Turf meaning. So they're saying she's a turf. A turf is ah yes, a trans exclusionary radical feminist. I don't know what those words mean altogether. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and argue what JK Rowling actually said. You know, like I don't know I don't know. Alright? I just don't know. I'm not into the trans world enough to really understand even what they're talking about. A lot of what I read to you from her tweet might as well have been a different language. But what I will say is, the reaction of people is, J.K. Rowling is a turf, J.K. Rowling is transphobic, and cancel Harry Potter. Do not read Harry Potter, burn the books, destroy what J.K. Rowling has done. And that harkens back to the Drew Brees conversation. That is not the way to do it. That will never be the way to do it. The way to do it will never be. Because this person has this ideal to totally... Which, which, it's important, same with Drew Brees, the ideal is not this inflammatory hate speak. It's different if J.K. Rowling is openly hating a group or she's openly oppressive. Then it's like, okay, well maybe she... You know, maybe we shouldn't be putting that kind of stuff out there. You know, like, maybe... You know, that's different. But this is a situation where she's just telling you what she believes, and it's not inflammatory. It's, you know, it's kind of, it seems to be kind of middling, kind of in the middle of the road here. So I don't think, just like with Drew Brees, I don't think the reaction of destroy the books, burn the books, I don't think that's really the way to go. And if it's anything like the Drew Brees thing, all we're going to see is people say, look, JK, the only way we're going to trust you again. The only way we're going to read your books again, JK, is if you write a sequel within the next week. And we're going to tie you to this chair. But we're not oppressing you. We're just tying you to this chair. We're only going to trust you again and read your books again if you write a book within the next week. And 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 I'm reading this letter in my mind. And the letter in my mind has those, like, ransom letters that all the letters are cut out from, like, magazines. They're all misshapen. You know what I'm talking about. And it's going to say... You have to write this sequel in the next week. And the sequel has to be where McGonagall gives Hermione a spell. And Hermione has, is going to give Harry a... Tra- he's, Harry's going to transition throughout the book. And so Harry is going to transition from male to female in the book using McGonagall's spell that she gave Hermione. And Voldemort is in blackface. And they have, they have to destroy Voldemort, who is a who is a police officer in blackface. If you do that, uh, J.K. Rowling, if you meet those demands, then we will trust you and, and we will read your books and everything will be good. That's pretty much where we're moving here. That's pretty much where we're pushing. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where you can, like, it's not, you don't have to go all in all the time. You don't have to say, oh, well, J.K. Rowling has a different opinion than the trans group here. Okay, let's see here. Yep, let's go ahead and cancel Harry Potter. Like, people are, in the comments and all that stuff, are just replying with, you know, Harry Potter sucks. It was never that good anyways. It was never this. It was never that. Boycott it, boycott it. And then you have people who are comparing 
Harry Potter to right now. Oh, this is where things get dangerous. So they're saying, oh, well, Harry Potter's 4,224 pages, and not once is there mention of a lesbian. Why? What's up with that, J.K. Rowling? And I'm thinking, well, I don't... Like, it doesn't... That shouldn't be a prerequisite. You shouldn't have to be like... There has to be some lesbian action. There, there better be some hot lesbian action in this children's book, J.K. Rowling. You got 4,000 pages to do it. I want lesbians. That doesn't have to happen. You know, like you don't have to tick every box. Every story doesn't have to have a prerequisite check of is there a lesbian? Is there trans? Is there this? Is there this? Is there this? Is there, I mean, it can just be a story, you know? And not to mention, it was written in the 90s. If you took a, like a time capsule and went to the 90s and said, hey, uh, all my people were trans rights, you know, let's go over here, let's, go, let's talk about trans rights. You'd get a lot of blank stares because not a lot of people in the 90s knew what the hell was going on. So to take J.K. Rowling's work from the 90s and take it into 2020, not to mention the craziest time in human history, place it here and then try and like, you know, place a Dooku and figure out if she's ticking all the boxes, nothing's going to live up to that. We just saw it when they got upset at Jimmy Fallon for doing blackface. 20 years ago on SNL. Now think about this. SNL is one of the most progressive left-leaning shows that's ever been that's ever existed. And it, it is unabashedly left-leaning and progressive. So how much of a big deal is blackface if SNL wrote the sketch, pitched the sketch, did dress rehearsal with the sketch, did live the sketch, and then did not face backlash for 20 years? How really big of a deal was it? It is incredibly dangerous to try and take existing ideals right now and place them on anything in the past. We see this all the time, like with John Wayne. John Wayne got in trouble for uh, homophobic remarks. Of course John Wayne had homophobic remarks. It's John Wayne. Like, you know, so people that do that, and Fallon apologized. And the whole, if you haven't seen it, the sketch is Fallon's in blackface. He's playing Chris Rock. And, you know, I read the SNL book. And in the book, it talks about how much, like, prep goes into these shows where you pitch a show or pitch a sketch. The sketch, you do, like, a table read. People basically vote on the sketch. Then Lorne Michaels puts together the sketches. Then you have to, like, rewrite the sketches and kind of nail them down. Then you have to do them a dress rehearsal. If they're good enough at dress rehearsal... Then the sketch gets moved to the main show. Jimmy Fallon had to go like, get makeup put on. He didn't just do it himself. Jimmy Fallon didn't just pop up out of the bottom of the stage and do blackface and run off you know, like a demon into the night. It, it was all a planned thing. Every step of the way, every check, it was okay. You know, So people now, 20 years later, telling Jimmy Fallon, hey, you need to apologize, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. It doesn't hold up. And you can't do that. You know, you like J.K. Rowling, what she said, she said it yesterday. So take that for what it is. But don't turn around and be like, oh, yes? Yes, J.K. Rowling did say something transphobic. Also, did you know that there's no lesbians in Harry Potter? What? Who cares? Like, Harry Potter is a separate thing. You know, it's like Chris Brown. Like, do I like Chris Brown? No. Do I think Chris Brown's a good guy? No. Would I want to take a, have a drink with Chris Brown? No. Would I want Chris Brown to date my daughter? No. Can Chris Brown dance? Hell yeah, he can dance. 
you can separate, you know, things. Michael Jackson, you know, serial pedophile. Does that mean that we need to eliminate thriller from every everything in the world? No. You can separate it. You can move it around. J.K. Rowling, whatever her tweet said, there's no point into going through the halls of Hogwarts and begging for people to transition. We don't have to take Wei Wu from Ravenclaw. That also is getting backlash. The idea that the one Asian character was named Wei Wu. People didn't like that very much. And that the Gringotts bankers all have like hook noses and they're super greedy and they're supposed to be Jewish or whatever. So she's anti-Semitic. All that stuff is, once you go down that rabbit hole, things get really, really nasty. And what you end up doing is taking everything and destroying it all. And everything just becomes gray. Everything just becomes the same. Because nothing can be different. Because if something's different, then it's missing something or didn't include somebody or was, or was hate speech or was negative or whatever. You don't want to get to the point to where it's just gray this, gray that, and it's the same thing every time. Can you imagine if Harry Potter would have had... Uh, all of a sudden you got a chapter on some weird lesbian experimentation going on in Ravenclaw, and then you go over to Hufflepuff and people are transitioning left and right. Then you go over to Gryffindor and Harry's like, you know, rioting in the streets and, and beating a policeman or something. Then you, you, go, you go over to Slytherin and they're defunding the, the security at the school. Like, I mean, you don't want that kind of story. So, again... I'm not here to argue about, is what she said transphobic? Is what she said this? Not interested in that. Not touching that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not well-versed enough in that. I, I'm happy to listen. Happy to listen. But I will not be offering my personal ideals on if J.K. Rowling is, in fact, transphobic. Instead, what we'll stick with is just the idea that this cancel culture is out of control. Ladies and gentlemen, look, the whole point of this podcast is that Canceling, cancel culture, and that all those values is a slippery road, and that road leads to disaster. You do not want that. Trust me. You don't want to be poking holes in everything. You do not want to be making sure everything is PC. You don't want to make. You don't want to be making sure everything's you know inclusionary. You you just want things to exist. Everything doesn't have to fit the 2020 mold. Everything doesn't have to fit. And I'm, well, I mean everything. I mean literally everything. You know, people are going back. Harry Potter, Jimmy Fallon, blackface, John Wayne. Everything doesn't need to be the same. And if things aren't the same, the reaction shouldn't be wipe it off the face of the earth. Pointing this cancel cannon at people and trying to destroy people, destroy things, remove things from existence or history, that is not the way to go. And I think a lot of people understand that. You know, even some of the protesters right now are, are, you know, speaking out against, like, the looting and speaking out against some of the stranger things happening. You know, like I mentioned, the washing of the feet and the, the kneeling and the bowing. And, the, like, it, it's all just gotten super convoluted. And the worst thing, and it, we'll, we'll end on this idea, is that the worst thing is that it's taking the opportunity for a really good message and it's ruining it, it's muddying it, because it's just too much. You know, the protest right now, a great thing. Muddying it with the weird white guilt and the oppression of saying, if you don't kneel in front of the flag, you're not going to ever 
we're never going to accept you, we're never going to accept your apology. Those things, all of a sudden, they intersect at some point, and people just get fed up with it. People just say, I can't deal with it anymore. I can't. I don't understand. I can't listen to it. You know, it's not making any sense. It's too much at one time. And, and that's what these angry mobs do. And eventually, everything will just go away. You'll, you'll go from J.K. Rowling, you'll go from a great discourse on being transphobic to all of a sudden then you'll deal with, you know, now we're talking about was, uh, was Peter Pettigrew, you know, transitioning or not, and should he be? And then, and then when you're reading that, you're just like, okay, well, I've missed the whole point here. I don't know what the hell we're talking about. So be careful if you're out there and you are protesting. If you right now you're passionate about what's happening, good. Be passionate about what's happening. Critical thought, critical thinking is the best thing in the world. We, I mean, that's all this podcast is. It, one way or the other, whatever side you're on, go for it. Live it. Love it. Do, do what you got to do. But the minute you start to impose your beliefs or to eliminate people who don't believe the same way you do, the moment you start doing that or the moment you start reaching way back to try and just you know destroy more things, you become this like dragon, this fire-breathing PC dragon. If that's what starts to happen... Check yourself before you wreck yourself and think about why you're protesting and what the hell you've been protesting for. You know, I mean, at some point, it loses the meaning. Do not lose your meaning. Do not lose your meaning. So that's going to be the show. Again, guys, thank you very much for listening. This has been a crazy day of, of doing this over and over and over. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So hopefully this works out. Hopefully this goes through. And thank you very much for listening or watching or whatever. I do appreciate that. Take care of yourself, guys. This time is a really tough time for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people are going through a whole hell of a lot with the pandemic or being unemployed or the riots or, you know, race relations or anything like that. And just mental health and your own number one is so important. So take care of yourself. If there was any time to be selfish, it's right now, you know it's obvious that when push comes to shove and stuff hits the fan, it's just you out there. And if you can't be happy with you, if you can't be happy in your own body or your own world or your own mind, it's going to suck. So worry less about Cedric Diggory completing the Goblet of Fire to transition and worry more about your own happiness and your own you know, your own mental well-being. So that's a little... little and, and, and that's my TED Talk. So... Thank you again, guys, for listening. I appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to go edit this again, publish this, and I hope you have a fantastic week. And I will see you next time here on The James Schmetta Show. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah.